0: scripture reading is found in 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. I invite you to stand as we read God's word. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers were come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will, willfully forget, that by the word of the Lord the heavens were of old, and the and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Please be seated.
1: Good morning. Yeah, good afternoon. <clears throat> uh, MJ, I really appreciated your music. It does fit very well with the message today. And so I uh, appreciated you listening to the Lord to impress you as to what to sing. Uh, that's important. <clears throat> Today's message is The Judgment. What's your response? And I have been doing a series on Ephesians. Have not finished it yet. But what we're going to do is we're going to start applying some... uh, We're going to be doing some sermon topics that really need to be visited over the next... uh, Well, until whenever, because we want to see revival happen. And that's not to say that I won't continue the series on Ephesians. We'll just apply it differently. It'll be probably a little more broken up. But with that, I want to welcome our online audience uh, Fred made mention of many of them on our Facebook account or who are watching on YouTube, and we really appreciate your presence and joining us here for worship. You can find other messages like this at the website, MiddletownPortlandSDA.org, or my personal YouTube channel, which is titled Path of Prophecy. And there you'll find content you won't be able to find anywhere else. I'm creating exclusive content there. I even bought some new microphones that I'm excited to try out and uh, be producing some, some new videos on that. But let's begin with a word of prayer as we open God's word. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's my prayer that we would leave here with not just knowledge, but with a heart that's been touched. By the Spirit of God, it's my prayer that you would bless us, bless our translators, and grace them with your presence. That uh, those who are listening would be able to hear clearly and understand the gospel message. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I went to a uh, to a uh, found a website because I had Googled this question about what would be um, famous atheists. What are the reactions of famous atheists to the second coming? of Jesus Christ, to the news of His coming. And I didn't get the answer that I was looking for, but I came across a website such as this one, and one of the answers that I found was this one by Peter Miller. And the question is, what would your reaction be if the second coming happened? And here's what Peter Miller had to say. He says, well, that depends. A lot on what your terms are. But I'll take the question to mean this. What would I, an atheist, do if the character called Jesus from the Christian Bible indisputably returned and was clearly manifest to all people of all faiths, including non-believers? That trumpet sounded from the air and the dead rose from their graves and were taken up to heaven. So he has... A proper understanding. I would say a proper understanding of what the second coming would look like. And the question is asked, what would your reaction be? Peter is an avowed atheist, meaning he's a person who has chosen to not believe in God. That's his belief system. That's his paradigm of how he understands the world, that God doesn't exist. But he's going to answer the question. So let's listen to his answer. All right? He says, what would I do? I would say, jeepers, creepers, against all that is rational, those Christians were right and I was wrong. What do you know? You know why, he asks? Because that is evidence and I will always change my mind if there's evidence. Well, he's an honest soul, right? Right? But he goes on, before you get all celebratory with the wine and wafers, let me be clear. I would say exactly the same thing of the Australian aborigines, if the great rainbow serpent appeared in the sky to begin a new dreaming, or if the Vikings, if we saw the serpent, Nyhogar, finally gnaw through the great tree, Yggdrasil, bringing the universe, crashing down. But you know what, he goes on to conclude, none of these things are going to happen because they are all just stories concocted by fearful humans to try to make themselves feel comfortable about an implacable universe and more important in it than they actually are. Well, that's quite the answer. That's quite the answer, wouldn't you say? But, he said he was honest. If he saw the evidence, he would change. Okay? The problem is, is that if he waits until the Lord arrives, it'll be too late for him. Because what's called into mind is repentance. God is calling us to repent of our ways. And repentance means to have a change of mind, not just a change of heart, but to, to change our direction in which we are going in. If we are going in this direction and it is sinful, then we are called to repent and turn around and go in the opposite direction. To make a willful change of mind and turn around. Now, there were many responses on that website, and I found them quite fascinating to read. Um, But here's the question. Why would someone adopt this viewpoint? Why would someone adopt this posture? Why would somebody embrace this type of thinking? Well, our scripture reading today, I believe, gives us the answer to that question. Would you like to know the answer to that question? Why somebody would start thinking like this? I believe God has given us the answer in His Word. And here's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, based on these verses, the people who hold to this view of disbelieving in the second coming and mocking the belief or the teaching that Jesus will indeed one day return in bodily visible form, the same Jesus who healed the leper, the same Jesus who healed the blind, the same Jesus who gave speech to the mute, the same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. When this Jesus returns, these people who hold this view yet mock it seem to have a viewpoint that disallows for that dimension of life, the spiritual dimension, okay? In other words, they seem to take a view of the world that is purely materialistic. Everything that you see is what exists and nothing more. There is nothing beyond that. There is nothing that uh, is beyond this world in which we live in. And you can see that in the tone of what Peter is describing. He says, because they ask, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, they don't see... Things beyond what was created. They have a purely materialistic view of life. Okay. Now, I had asked the question, why would somebody adopt this view? Well, perhaps it's because maybe they've never been taught the scriptures. Maybe they never had another viewpoint to be exposed to them which is why MJ is saying people need the Lord, right? So that we can share this good news of Christ's coming. But that would appear to be a reasonable argument, that, well, maybe they don't know the Lord. Maybe they've never been exposed to this worldview that we as Christians have, that the earth is not the only place, Planet in the universe that there is much more beyond it. In fact, there's God and there's angels, and uh, Jesus died, and, and uh, this is not just a myth, etc., etc., etc. That seems like it would fit, that that would answer the question. But here's what really surprised me when I stumbled upon this website: is that many of these people who profess to be atheists were former Christians. They were actually raised with a church view, but they chose to abandon that for a materialistic worldview. Now, I am not here to justify it, but if there's anybody out there of that persuasion who's watching, or who will see this at some time in the future, I want to acknowledge your pain. And I say that because there have been many people who've been hurt by the church, and chose to disbelieve that there's a God because they said, if this is how God works in these people's lives, then that can't, then it means that God can't exist. You understand? You understand the reasoning that people may adopt for their worldview. So we have to be empathetic towards them. They've been hurt by the church. Okay? But let me go on. Could there be another reason why some have embraced this worldview? Well, as I said, the Bible seems to indicate why. And it says this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 5-7. through For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water... By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Here's what the passage says. For this they willfully forget. I like how the New International Version said, it says this, but they deliberately forget. It means that there is a conscious effort, a decision that is made in the mind to willfully ignore what is being shared so that even what is being told to them even if they did have pain from their Sunday school teacher or a Sabbath school teacher or a pastor or a priest or whatnot. The point is that even though the truth was communicated to them, they have chosen to willfully forget it. They're making a conscious decision. And the text goes on to say that... Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to what? Their own lusts. Here's the honest truth, folks. We all have our own lusts. We all have our own passions. We all have our own desires. The alcoholic has their beer or whiskey or wine, okay? And a materialistic person may have a passion and a desire for materialistic things. It could be food. It could be pornography. It could be money. It could be a plethora of objects and affections and desires. But the issue is, is that everybody walks according to their own lusts, okay? And so the text goes on to say that, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The Bible is very clear that there is a judgment, there is a judgment. And what Peter is making allusions to, or he's clarifying by illustration, is that just as there was a judgment in the times of the ancients, known as the biblical flood, there will also be a time of judgment at the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first judgment, the first universal judgment, was a judgment by the flood. And this next judgment that takes place, or how this judgment will be executed, will be through fire. And everything will be destroyed. Which speaks to this materialistic worldview. Peter is addressing these ungodly teachers because that's pretty much what all of chapter 2 is all about in Second Peter. That there are these ungodly teachers who willfully ignore the scriptures. And what he is saying is that they will be judged for their false teachings. Okay? And for getting people to follow these false teachings. And what he says here is that the world will be judged by fire. okay Whatever was not of God will be consumed. but if our work and our labor was in the Lord, then that in that only is what will stand. okay Again, going back to MJ's song, this is why people need what? The Lord people need the lord now the sobering truth is this is that when we walk according to our passions our own desires our lusts the bible speaks to that but the bible speaks good news and here's the good news recently I had the privilege to travel down to Lexington, Kentucky. And when I was in Lexington, Kentucky, I was given the opportunity to visit the Noah's Ark exhibit down there. Anybody ever heard of the Noah's Ark exhibit? Anybody ever seen it? Okay. had the privilege to go see it. You said you saw it, MJ? Okay. So I got to go see it. It's very, very big. Okay? You can see uh, the picture on the left is the Noah's Ark, uh, you know, what they this man, Ken Ham, built to be a life-size replica based upon calculations and engineering and whatnot. And, and uh, that's from quite a distance, okay? It, it's a very large uh, replica. The picture on the right, however, uh, gives some perspective. You can see over here it may be a little difficult to see, but that's a person right there. And these are. this is another person right there. So you can see the size and the scope and the length of that large vessel that was built to save the human race. Can I hear an amen? Because that's God's grace. Judgment was pronounced upon the antediluvian world because of their wickedness, God said that there was only violence in the world at that time, and evil in men's heart continually, from sun up till sundown, evil thinking. There was no talk at all about flowers. There was no uh, no happy songs being sung perhaps with the exception of Noah's family. But everything else was just evil continually. And isn't that what we see on our television sets today? And if it's not violence by guns, then it's spiritualism of some sort. And if it's not spiritualism and gun violence, then it's pornography on our television sets that's brought into our own homes. Okay? And if it's not violence on the television, then it's violence in the schools. Students fighting. Former students coming back to kill classmates. Okay? And so the, the world is filled with violence, just like in Noah's day. And if Noah, in Noah's day God judged the earth, doesn't it stand to reason that our world will be judged as well? But here's the good news is that God provided a means of escape. Amen? And that means of escape was this. He instructed Noah to build a boat, an ark, for his family, because he found grace in God's sight. And so Noah was given instructions. I'm not going to go into detail about how that ark was built or what was to be included on it, but the animals of their kind were to be brought in, clean and unclean, and that ark was to be an ark of safety to get them through this devastating time. And if you can see, it might be a little difficult to see in light of this projector and its abilities to project properly, but off to this side on the left, you can see a little faint light spot. And that was the door that was placed in the side of the ark. So that once they finished putting in that last nail, once they finished putting on that last coat of pitch, once they finished putting that last animal on the ark, the Bible, we are told, tells us that that door was shut. Once Noah and his family entered into that boat, that door was shut. And it was that door that was fixed there so securely that prevented the waters from coming into that boat itself and bringing it down and sinking it. The ark was an ark of safety. The ark was the good news. The gospel that in spite of judgment, and yes, that world needed to be judged, that God provided grace for the families of the earth to be preserved. If it weren't for that family of eight people, Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth getting on that boat along with their wives, you and I would not exist. That's a sobering thought. We would not exist. The gospel can be found throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And Peter takes special account of this story to draw the people of his day to that attention of that story. That yes, there would be a judgment. And there will be a judgment when Christ returns. But as I said, there was a a means of escape. Inside this ark is the actual Noah Ark Museum. It's a museum dedicated to educating people on the veracity and why we can believe in the flood story. There's geological evidence, there's scientific evidence for it, okay? And people can laugh all they want. They can scoff and say, you just, that's not true science. Well, let me just share this one reminder with you. They had a display there, and of all the, they had three levels on the uh, uh, on the museum. And to me, the most fascinating was the third level, okay? But on that third level, they made an observation that uh, uh, scientists disbelieve. Many scientists, uh, they would be non-creationist scientists, but these scientists don't believe in the flood story. Okay? But what they do believe, interestingly enough, is that they believe that there was water on Mars. And, of course, they have these, you know, Satellites and robotic satellites that can go to Mars and take pictures of the Martian landscape and they look and they see all of these uh, geological formations on Mars and they see, see, look at this. This is evidence that there was once water running on Mars. You can see the channels and the canyons that were formed by this great deluge of water that once flowed on Mars on the Martian surface. Yet there's no water there. There's a polar ice cap. But there's no rivers that are flowing. There's no oceans that are flowing. And yet, amazingly, scientists will deny that there was a flood even though the earth is covered by 70% water. And yet we're supposed to believe the science. We're supposed to trust the science. Who knows, maybe YouTube will take me off for making that statement. But so what? Here's what was in that ark display, that describes the door. The door, Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 9, "I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved." And the explanation that they give is when God told Noah to build the ark to survive the flood, He would send them upon an exceedingly wicked, uh, that He would ascend upon an exceedingly wicked world. He instructed Noah to put one door in the side of the ark, not five doors. Not 50 doors, but one door. Put the door of the ark in its side. Noah and his family entered the ark through that one door to be saved from the watery judgment. Genesis chapter 7 verses 1 and 7 says, Enter the ark, you and your whole family, for I have found you righteous before me in this generation. So Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. The plaque goes on to say, Noah and his family entering the ark through the door reminds us of the good news of Jesus Christ. Just as God judged the world with the flood, he will judge it again. But the final judgment will be by fire. We have all sinned against our Holy Creator and deserve the penalty of death. Unless God forgives us of our sins when we die, we would be separated from him forever in what the Bible calls the second death. Revelation 20, verse 14. However, God has provided the means of salvation for us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die as our substitute on the cross. Jesus endured the penalty for our sin and conquered death by rising from the grave. Everyone who asks for His forgiveness and trust in Him will be saved from the second death and live with Him for eternity. Can I hear an Amen. A plaque goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. Folks, just as there was a door of safety to get into that ark of safety, there is a door provided for us, and that door is Jesus Christ. That is how we can respond to the judgment. The title of today's message is The Judgment. What's your response? The good news is that we can give a response to the judgment. Amen? We can say, I believe in Jesus. I want him to forgive me of my lusts, of my ungodly passions. I want him to save me from my sins. Amen? Do you want Jesus to save you from your sins? Amen. Amen. Here's how the passage goes on. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 9. 8 and 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should do what? Come to repentance. People need the Lord, is what MJ is saying. People need the Lord so they can repent of their ungodly lusts of their ungodly passions. Okay? Apparently, people count the Lord as being slack with his promise because that's what it says. And that's what Peter is reminding us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Because the the rest of the world, the non-believer says, where is the promise of his coming? And Peter is reminding them The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The issue is not that the Lord has walked away and abandoned the world. The issue is we have abandoned God. And God is waiting for us to repent. He's waiting for us to repent. I told you that there were other reactions on this website. Here's one that I found quite fascinating. What would your reaction be if the second coming happened? This is E.R. Muculinser. He says, I guess the Christians were right. That's what he would say. If the Lord came, he said, I guess the Christians were right. Well, I am big enough to admit I am wrong. But he goes on to say, same thing if Ragnarok happened or if the Greek gods returned. He would say, well, I guess they were right. But he goes on to say, I am an atheist. Hence, I rely on what I can find out through science. If science changes, so do my views. Again, the problem is is that you can't wait until the Lord returns to admit that you were wrong. It'll be too late. Because that's exactly what happened in Noah's day. The people said, Noah, it's never rained before. Why are you building this boat? Or they asked, why are you building this boat? And Noah said, well, it's going to rain. And they said, well, it's never rained before. That's what the Bible tells us. It had never rained up to that point in time. But the reason the rain was coming was because the world needed a bath. The world had become so wicked with violence and evil in the hearts of men continually that it caused the Lord to be sorrowful that he had ever created mankind. That must have been a pretty bad situation. But here's what happened. Is that the animals got on the ark. And that's quite sobering, because if the dumb animals were smart enough to know to get on the boat, right, shouldn't mankind have at the least repented and say, you know what, we have been pretty bad, we've behaved pretty badly, we ought to change our ways. Noah, tell us how we can change our ways. Because every time Noah struck a blow on that ark in the construction of it, that in and of itself was a sermon, right? His actions, the fact that he built the boat, that was a sermon in and of itself. But here's what did happen. The animals got on the boat, and Noah had been preaching for X amount of years. But when he finally got... To the doorway, and he made his last appeal. All he got was mocking. They made fun of him. They called him a fool. You're an idiot, Noah. And then Noah did this. He turned around and walked away. And we're told that the hand of God closed that door. And probation at that moment closed for the entire human race, with the exception of Noah's family. But the story goes on that they were in that boat for an entire week before the floods came, because it gave time for everybody to think about the decision that they had made. Oh, inside, I'm sure, during those six days of the seven, that Noah and his family were busy just making sure that everything was in order, making sure they uh, had their seatbelts ready you know, for that great event that was going to take place. And when that Sabbath day came, they worshipped, they rested, and they waited. And then the earth began to tremble and shake. And shake and tremble. Because we're told it wasn't just a 40-day rainstorm. We're told the fountains of the deep erupted. And for that to happen, for the great aquifers under the earth to erupt, the plates of the earth had to shift. So there was tremendous, tremendous geological activity. We're told that there was such a great geological activity and such a torrential storm. Because the fountains of the deep erupted and they went up, up miles high. Talked about the longest sausage on earth, 3,000 feet. These these fountains of the deep erupted 10 miles high. Yeah. And you see some of these great rocks here, especially in New England, you see some of these big boulders that are there. You say, how did this come about? Okay. And what what we can only imagine is that that pierced the firmament above and then the waters came pouring down like water coming through a sieve. Just water, deluge of water going up and coming down and you just didn't know which way was up and which way was right. It, within that museum itself, they have a special section talking about how we should not tell the, the Noah's story that it's not just some little kiddie story with this old man who had a few lambs and a few giraffes, and it's this cute little story. It was judgment upon the earth because of the wickedness of man. And one can only, if we just use our sanctified imagination, our pure minds, as as Peter said, he wrote this to stir up our pure minds, to imagine what it was like for that antediluvian world that was stuck on the outside. Noah was right. And I am wrong. I was wrong. But it was too late. It was too late. And as the waters began to rise, They swam over, they crawled over, they they stroked themselves over to the side of that boat, and they knocked, and they knocked, and they knocked. And there was nothing that Noah could do. Only God could open that door, because only God had shut it. E.R. says, I guess the Christians were right. Well, I'm big enough to admit I'm wrong. Same thing if Ragnarok happened, or if the Greek gods returned. I'm an atheist, hence I rely on what I can find out through science. If science changes, so do my views. The truth of the matter is that we can't always rely on what the science tells us, but we can always rely upon what the Word of God says. Amen? And friends, here's what the Word of God says. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Okay? Okay? There is a judgment that is coming for those who walk according to their own lusts, but were called to repent. And here is the voice that is crying out today, just as it cried out in Noah's day. Here's what it says. Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. God provided a door to get into the ark. God provides a door for us to enter salvation. And that is Jesus Christ. He's the door. We can face the judgment. We can respond to the judgment by accepting Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that we can face the judgment that his life can be placed over our sin-stained life. His pure blood can be placed over my impure life. And so, Father, I pray that for everybody here who has made that decision... And I pray for those who are watching online. And I ask them and I invite them to please respond to this message. Let us know what your response is. That you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you're willing to profess him. Because Jesus promised, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. How many of us want Jesus to profess our name before his Father in heaven? I want that for my life. And so, Father, I pray that you would seal every decision here. And for those who will watch this message in the future, bless them. May they find in Jesus their ark of safety, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.